Hello, and welcome to the Faithbrook Church Messages podcast. Whether you're exploring faith, new to faith, or actively following Jesus, we're so glad you're tuning in, and we hope that these weekly messages will encourage, challenge, and inspire you. Life is not meant to be done alone, and our hope is that these messages will lead you into a new and thriving life in Christ. Now let's listen to this message from our worship pastor, Taylor Greenhill. Turn to your neighbor and uh, tell them one of your favorite lines from that kid from that movie. And if you're, if you're online, type in your favorite line that he said. I think for me, uh, it was when he started seeing Feliz Navidad. I think that was either that or I'm paying attention because that's my job. Um, I love it when I find these videos of kids getting mic'd up because they're hilarious, never know what they're going to say. Uh, and the cool thing about that kid is he's got so much confidence, right? He's that hockey goalie. He, he is confident. Shoot on me, right? And I think partly because he's got all of this padding on. He's got this helmet. He's got all the pads that he is incredibly confident. And who knows how long his, it took his parents to help get him suited up for that game. But he's put in hours of practice, and he is ready to go. He's ready to get in on the action, but pretty quickly he starts to get bored because not much is happening, right? And can you imagine if he just started shedding his padding right in the middle of the game, like takes his helmet off, throws his glove down, takes off all of like his skates and everything, right? That would be crazy. He would never do that because at any moment that team could come right at him and that puck could be hit his way and he's got to be ready. I've had this uh, recurring dream that kind of pops up every, like, I don't know, a few times a year. Uh, and I wish it was at least a cool dream, but it's not really a cool dream. Uh, but the, the scenarios kind of always change, but it always has to do with leading worship. So, see, not cool. But every time I'm usually showing up, and sometimes I don't even know where it is, but I'm showing up and I'm late and I'm behind and like I have nothing ready, nothing is set up, and like I'm scrambling to get all of my equipment and I don't even know the songs, and people are like standing and waiting, and it's all, it's, a, it's pretty much a nightmare. It's just one of those things, and then I wake up, and it's not even Sunday, and it's a big relief. The internet says that I probably have some sort of unresolved trauma from my past, that's why that's happening. But uh, I think it's just fueled by kind of my personal dislike for being unprepared myself. I score pretty high on responsibility on a lot of those tests and whatnot. And I don't like being the one to let people down. I don't like being the one that lets the team down. So who knows, maybe there is some sort of unresolved trauma there. But I'd much rather be overprepared than scrambling last minute to try to get things ready. Now, if you're a parent, especially if you have younger kids, you know uh, the need for preparation, right? Because it takes forever for you to get out and go anywhere. You've got to get the water bottles. You've got to maybe get diapers and wipes, and the bag's got to be full. You've got to have maybe some toys, maybe some backup toys in case the first toys don't work. If it's winter, you've got to have coats and gloves and hats, and everything's just got to be put together. And then most importantly, you've got to have snacks, Okay, you got to have lots of snacks because you never want to go anywhere with a young kid without snacks. you got to be prepared. Now, if you're in school, you have to be prepared for class, right? you got to do your homework. you got to show up with the projects that you're supposed to do. And if you don't, you're probably not going to like the grades you get. If you don't set aside some time to prepare and study, you know, your test scores are probably not going to be your favorite. 
Maybe you're an employee and there's expectations on employees. And if you come unprepared enough, you're probably not going to be an employee. And if you're at home, there's lunch preparations, there's dinner preparations, the car's got to be prepped with gas in them, the clothes and the dishes, they got to be prepped to get dirty all over again. And it's even worse if people are coming over, you got to prep everything, everything has to be redone. And a lot of times we can understand this need for preparation in the physical world because a lot of times there are physical consequences, right? If you invite somebody over and your house looks like a pigsty, they're going to think you are a pig. So you can't have that, so you got to clean up. But we can often be unprepared in the spiritual world because we don't always sense or see the spiritual consequences that are at play, at least not, not right away. So since the new year, um, we've been walking through the book of Ephesians, and now we've kind of made it to this last chapter. It's chapter six, uh, and Paul is kind of wrapping up his letter, and he wrote this letter to the Ephesians, the church in Ephesus, and he's heard a lot of reports from this church, and he's just wanting to send wisdom, send instructions, encouragement to this church that is trying to live strong in the Lord, trying to live God strong. And so one thing that can sometimes be hard to remember with the Bible is that this, was, this letter was written by a very real person in the Apostle Paul. And it was written to a very real group of people, this church, not too unlike all of us. And at a very real time in world history. See, these people in Ephesus were living in a very wealthy, paganistic city. It was a port city, so there was a lot of wealth, and they were under the Roman rule at the time. And this wasn't a very easy place to be a follower of Jesus. Everything in their society, everything in the culture was trying to pull them away from living out their faith. And so Paul sends some final instructions. So as we dive in, this is verse 10 of chapter 6. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He says, finally, Right After all that I have written to you, everything that we've talked about up to this point, everything that I've said to you, take that into account. Right, If I have to leave you with one thing, here, here it is. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Paul says, hey, church, I've got good news. I've got bad news, right? What do you want? Bad news? Okay, bad news, you're not enough, Right? You're not enough. In your humanity, in your physical, in your mental, in your emotional strength on your own, you're not enough. Right? The world is going to advise you to be strong in yourself, to be strong in your mighty power. But honestly, that's not going to cut it. It might fool people in the physical world, but it's not going to cut it in the spiritual world. But he says, I've got good news. He is enough. He is victorious, right? In fact, he has already won. So yeah, you may not be enough, but your true strength, your true power, that's found in the Lord. It's in his mighty power that you can have victory. So then Paul begins to tell them how they're gonna do this. And he says in verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Now, if you're like me and you grew up in the church in the early 2000s, or maybe you had some kids or grandkids during that time, uh, you might have just had the image of Bible man pop in your head. Now, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with Bible man. If you're not familiar with Bible man, 
count your blessings because it's nothing to lose sleep over. Uh, this was a super low-budget Christian Batman, basically, all the armor and everything, and he had a, a lightsaber. So it wasn't very good. But I'm pretty sure that that's not the image that would have popped up in these people's head. Their first thought would have been the Romans, right, who ruled over them. And maybe they even hoped that God was going to be sending them some sort of special weapons or armor that they were going to be able to stand up to these Romans and they were going to be able to, to win their freedom from these people that have been oppressing them and lording over them. But then Paul continues. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He's talking about a different enemy. That word schemes comes from the Greek word where we get our word uh, methods from as well. See, Satan, he seeks only to destroy. And so Paul is warning this church that they have an enemy that is out to get them, an enemy that wants to destroy them. And the devil will use various methods or schemes at his disposal to try to bring this about. He'll use manipulation. He'll use uh, deception, distraction, temptation. But most importantly, he'll use lies. The devil loves to use lies to try to take us down individually, but also collectively. Okay, so hold up, right, Taylor? Like, this is getting a little dark. It kind of took a turn here, right? You're saying that there's all this spiritual stuff that might be out to get me, right? And I, I get that that's what the, the ancient people might have believed, right? But, you know, we're living in 2024. We're educated. You know, the whole enlightenment thing, that happened a long time ago. Like, we, we don't really think about that too much. And I love what um, Pastor Tony Evans says. He says, if all you see is what you see, you will never see all there is to see. C.S. Lewis uh, says that sometimes as modern people, we often suffer from what he calls chronological snobbery. And that means that we tend to think that we're so much smarter than the people who came before us. Right? And because we are so much smarter, we can dismiss everything that they say or believe. I mean, that's why teenagers and parents will always not get along, right? Because there's always this generational thing that happens. And in today's world, people are actually pretty spiritually open, we're finding uh, in a lot of surveys. Uh, but most people think that the spiritual world is mostly good, that it's this kind of ethereal, uh, force of good that you can kind of tap into and you know it's just this good thing that's out there but back then people understood that yes there was a good side to the spiritual world but there was also a very dark side to the spiritual world John Mark Comer says if you don't believe in demons you'll start demonizing people and I think that's so true and Paul even kind of agrees he goes on and says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul's even addressing kind of a big scheme and a big lie of the devil, and that is Satan would love for Christians to start viewing other people as the enemy. He would love that. And even bonus points if you can get Christians to start believing that other Christians are the enemy. Now, I'm not saying that there's a, a, dev, a demon just kind of lurking around everywhere around you, right? If you go and you stub your toe on your couch, your couch isn't necessarily demon-possessed just because it might have hurt. 
You know, and if, if you're in the middle of a very public place and your toddler just loses it, I know you've thought it, but, but they're not actually demon-possessed. I've been there. Um, that would actually be an unhealthy perspective of the spiritual world. But Paul wants them to clue in on the fact that there are things happening in these spiritual realms that we can't always see. And sometimes if we can't see it, then we can either dismiss it or we might even pin it on something or someone. And I think Paul also wants us to realize that people aren't actually your problem. See, the problem is that we live in a broken world. We live in a world that's full of sin and darkness, but as the church, right, we are called for people to be our mission because to God, people are his passion and his love. And so maybe just on a side note, as we're heading toward the fall, as we're heading toward this election season, like we know it's, it's gonna get bad, it's gonna get rough. But maybe as the church, we can keep in mind that our true struggle is not with flesh and blood. And he goes on, he says, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And I want to focus in on those three words, so that when, so that when, right? He's talking about preparation and he's telling them to put on the full armor of God even before the battle has even begun, right? Even before they can see the battle coming their way, even before the enemy is cresting the hill, he's saying, suit up, put on your full armor because you need to be prepared, when I was a kid, I loved playing baseball. That was my favorite sport. And uh, I would be usually at third base because I was one of the only kids that could actually get it over to first. And so I would be there and I was, took my role very seriously because I, I was taught by my coaches growing up that you had to be prepared every single pitch, right? And my, my parents, they knew me as the kid who was always adjusting stuff. I was always adjusting my jersey. I was adjusting my pants, pulling my socks up, messing with my glove, like messing with my hat. Everything, everything was tweaked between pitches. But when the pitch came, it was laser focus because you never knew when that ball was going to pop off the bat right in my direction, right? But it wasn't always hit to me, right? Sometimes there would be multiple innings, maybe even a whole game where there was no ground ball that I had to field and take care of. But I was taught to be ready anyway. And in life, whether from the physical world or from the spiritual world, right, things will come your way that you don't see coming. There will be tragedy that strikes. Right? You might get laid off. Maybe someone you know or yourself receives an unexpected diagnosis. Maybe there's an old temptation that you thought you had under control that resurfaces. Maybe there's a disappointment, a setback, or even a failure. And unfortunately, there's no calendar that we can go onto our Gmail that says, hey, this is the day that a battle is coming for you. Right? We don't know when they're going to happen, but when they come, our faith is going to be tested. And faith is one of those things that you can't just throw on on the last minute when trials arise, right? You can't wait until that puck has already been hit in your direction to start throwing on your padding and getting ready. It just doesn't work that way. Again, Satan wants to take you down. He wants to take your family down. He wants to separate you from God. 
But Paul tells us that God wants you to stand your ground. And you're not even even called to go and hunt down the enemy, right? He's not saying go and attack the enemy. He's saying hold your ground. See, what's interesting is you win when you can successfully hold your ground in the position where God has placed you. God has put you somewhere for a reason. He has a purpose for you, and he's asking you to hold steady. He's asking you to not give the enemy any ground and to hold strong. And in order for us to do that, we're going to have to be ready. And Paul knows what he wants us to know is that spiritual readiness produces spiritual steadiness. Spiritual readiness produces spiritual steadiness, right? A person that is strong in the Lord, a person that is solid through adversity, a person that can withstand the storms and the trials of life, a person that can fend off the attacks and the temptations from the enemy, that's a person whose faith was ready and prepared in advance before the battle came. So now Paul begins to pivot and he begins talking about um, how we can be ready and what this armor of God actually looks like. And so when he's, when he's writing this letter, he is, he's assumed to be in prison. And so he's become very familiar with the armor of these Roman soldiers, with their attire. It's fresh on his mind. But to the Ephesian people, they would have been very in tune with that as well. They would have known exactly what Paul was talking about. And the second he started bringing these up, those images popped in their mind. So as Paul talks about this armor, I just want us to think about it as he's giving us a strategy for how to be spiritually prepared. And so he writes this, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. See, for the Roman soldier, they would have a a leather belt strapped around their waist. And this belt would have different things attached to it, but it was also kind of holding the core of their armor in place. This would kind of hold everything together so that when they went into the battle, they were ready. And Paul is very intentionally equating this with truth. Because just as we wrap a belt around our core, it encircles us. Paul wants Christians, wants us to encircle ourselves at our core with God's truth. And this is so important for us today, maybe even more important than it was for them, because right now we live in a very post-truth era. Right? Today, truth is just what you make it. Truth is malleable. Truth is subjective. Right? But Paul's instructing them and us to, to replace our flawed sense of reality and truth and to change it into God's unchanging, unswerving truth and to wrap it around our whole self at our core. Remember what I said earlier, right? Our, our enemy's native language is lies. He's going he's gonna to lie to you about yourself. He's going to feed you lies about others. He's going to feed you lies about who God is. He's going to feed you lies about your purpose and your future. And if you're not prepared in advance with the truth of God, you can easily be convinced or persuaded by his lies, his schemes, his methods. But you're ready when you know the truth. Right. My daughter, Lily, she's four, and she's kind of got this incredible memory that we didn't see coming. And after we read her a book like a handful of times, she'll pretty much have the whole thing memorized. It's kind of crazy. But sometimes when I read her a book, and I know that she knows this book really well, she's got it memorized, 
Um, I'll throw in little words here and there. I'll sneak in just like a subtle thing or something funny or just see if she's paying attention. And without fail, every single time she will stop me and say, no, daddy, that's not how it goes. And she will make me restart that sentence and say it the right way. And before we can move on, she won't let it go. I mean, what if we knew, what if you knew the word of God so well that whenever the devil tried to feed you a lie or a half truth, that you would be able to stop him in his tracks and say, no, 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 I know the truth. Right, when he says, hey, you know, God doesn't really love you or care about you. You could say, no, 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 I know that God loves me and I know that he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. He tells me that, right? And when the enemy tries to tempt you to be, uh, to retaliate, to trade harm for harm, you can say, no, Jesus taught me to turn the other cheek, to love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me. I know the truth. See, lies have no power over the person who is prepared with the truth. So we're ready when we know the truth. The next thing he brings up is this breastplate, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now, the Roman soldiers would have this breastplate, and it would be made of leather, uh, but it would also have metal all over it, placed all over it for protection. And the purpose of the breastplate was to protect the most vital organs in the body from being attacked, and specifically the heart, right? The heart is this amazing organ that is pumping this fresh, rejuvenated uh, blood through the body so that the body can have strength and keep going. And if that heart is punctured, if that heart is stopped, right, it's game over. So Paul says that this protection for our hearts is righteousness. Now, it's not self-righteousness. It's not based on good deeds or work that we pile up and say, look what I've done. I'm righteous. He's talking about the righteousness that comes when we are right with God, when we are right with him, because we're ready when we're right with God. See, and this can't just be a one-time thing, right? This is a continual relationship, a continual connection that we have with the God that created us, right? Who wants their heart to just beat twice in the morning and then turn off? Like, not me. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't want that. I want it to keep pumping every second of every day, filling my body with fresh blood so that I can keep moving on and doing, accomplishing goals, right? And in the same way, we should strive for a continual rightness with God every hour of every day of our lives, right? We should center into him on a daily basis. We should maybe even seek forgiveness when we mess up or when we disobey. We need to get right with him. And when you're right with God, your, your heart, your spiritual heart is going to fuel your life with his power, with his love. But if we neglect that, if we take off that breastplate, if we sever that connection, right, your heart is vulnerable. Your heart is now susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. So it's important that we protect our hearts by staying right with him. Paul goes on and says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The soldiers had these leather sandals that had a thick sole on the bottom and, and their straps went all the way up the calf to give support, to give stability. And underneath there would be metal studs or spikes. And these would just help them through the rough terrain that they were navigating and also just to be able to stand their ground against physical hand-to-hand -hand combat. It gave them a sense of security. Have you ever been in a situation where you had the wrong shoes for the job? 
Uh, Katie and I were watching this little mini-series just a few days ago, uh, and it was about these rock climbers, and they wanted to go up to Greenland, which is the one that's covered in ice, and they wanted to go and climb these huge Arctic rock faces. And so there were two specifically that they wanted to do, and so they did the first one, and then at some point they, they had to leave some of their gear behind for their team to pick up, and uh, they moved on to the biggest face. Well, the team wasn't able to get the gear back to them in time, and so as they started climbing the huge face, uh, only one of the three rock climbers had his shoes. And so the other two were kind of trailing behind with just some small, basic hiking boots as they're climbing this gigantic rock face. And those two people were just had no confidence. They, the whole time, they were just like, I don't know if we should do this. I don't know if we should keep going. Like, this is not going well. There's rocks falling and all sorts of stuff. And, and then one of the two was a, a girl, and she was trying to decide, am I going to give up on this, or am I going to keep going? And right in the midst of that decision, their support team shows up and brings their stuff. And so this girl gets her shoes for the first time on this rock face and she puts those shoes on and her face just lights up. I mean, her, she, it's, like, it's like she got separated from her, her kid and was reunited. Like, it was like so important to her and her face lit up and she just had all the confidence in the world. And from then on, it was like, we're going. Like, we're going up this, this face. Like, nothing is stopping me. I am going to take down this goal. And she just had a confidence and a peace like a peace in her, herself, that she was ready to take on whatever they were going to face up the rock wall. And this is what Paul knew as well, that you're ready when you're at peace. And he's not just talking about some random inner peace or something like that. He's talking about a spiritual peace, a spiritual peace that comes from the gospel, right? When our feet are planted in the gospel of Jesus, when we have put our faith in him, when we've accepted Christ as our savior in our life, we have this confidence, this faith that brings us peace so that we can take on the mission, we can take on our purpose and we're ready for whatever might come our way because we are fitted with his gospel. We are at peace. And so Paul goes on and he says, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And the Greek word that they use here for shield is actually also translated as door. And so this was in reference to the Roman shield that was basically four foot high, two foot wide. And it was a wooden shield that oftentimes would be coated with leather on one side. And it was big enough that a Roman soldier could kind of crouch down and protect his entire body with that shield. And if they needed to, they would dip that, that uh, leather, they would dip the shield in water. And so not only would it be stopping the arrows, but it would also extinguish the arrows as soon as they hit. And so Paul is saying that our shield, as Christ followers, our shield is faith. And what does that mean? Well, that means that we're ready when we can trust God. See, those soldiers, they had to trust that their shield was going to protect them that it was going to be able to withstand those arrows. And for us, God is our shield, right? See, see, our flesh is too weak. And those arrows, they're coming so fast and so many that we have no hope except in our shield. 
And it takes faith and it takes trust in God to know that he is fighting for us, right? And that he is taking these arrows on our behalf when we can't take them ourselves. So he wants us to trust in him. Trust that when he says to stay, we should stay. Trust that when it's time to move, we should move. Trust that even though we can't see what's happening, even though we can't see what's coming our way, to still trust in him as our shield. And trust is something that we kind of have to practice in the good times so that we can be ready for those bad times. And then Paul wraps up with these last two things. He says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I love that he kind of comes full circle with this because he comes all the way back to truth and how important that truth is not only for our defense, but also just as our only offense against the enemy. But before that, he mentions the helmet. And the Roman soldiers would have a metal helmet. It would be lined inside with leather. Um, And this helmet would obviously be used to protect their heads. Um, But it also carried a secondary um, purpose. And these helmets would often be adorned with decorative designs or markings that signified the difference between friend and foe. The Roman helmet um, kind of said to everyone else, I stand with Rome, right? It says, I fight for Rome. And I think to the Roman soldiers, there was a lot of pride in their identity. And it said, I am Roman. And so for us to be spiritually ready, we can't just be shaky about who we are, right? We need to be ready when we know our identity is decided. See, I was born in the amazing uh, paradise that some people call Texas. Uh, And I grew up in Texas. I love Texas. Uh, I am a Texan. And I always will be a Texan. And almost 10 years ago, Uh, God called us up here to Minnesota because he's kind of crazy like that. And the longer that I've been here, the more times I'll hear people say something like, oh, you're becoming Minnesotan, right? I've heard that quite a few times over the years. And that's fine. But I know that even though I'm getting better at navigating life in Minnesota, I'm still a Texan. And it's the same for my identity in Christ, Right? I am an alien in this world, and God calls me to get good at navigating life within a fallen world because he ultimately seeks to redeem that fallen world to him, but yet I am a citizen of heaven. I'm a child of God. My identity is in him, and that has already been decided. Right? And I'm ready because I know whose team I'm on. I know who I fight for. See, we have to be able to pre-decide some of these things. We have to be prepared. We have to be ready for when that battle arrives. Spiritual readiness produces spiritual steadiness. See, Paul gives us this strategy for, for readiness because he knows that you and I are vulnerable. And he knows that there is an enemy that would just love to take us out, to thwart God's plan for our life. But Paul says to put on the full armor of God, every piece. So where for you might there be an item that's missing? Because wherever a piece of armor is missing, there is a vulnerability. There is a point at which the enemy may try to attack. And maybe for you, it's knowing or acknowledging the truth of God in his word. 
Maybe it's getting or staying right with God on a continual basis. Maybe it's receiving Christ for the first time or the first time in a long time as, as your personal savior and putting your faith in him and gaining that supernatural peace and confidence. And maybe it's trusting God and be willing to depend on him. Or maybe it's just choosing that your identity is now locked in with God and that is the most important thing. Just recently, I got to know a worship pastor uh, at another church in the local area and I got to sit down with him and he disclosed with me that his, he and his wife were in the midst of their first pregnancy, but that they were having a lot of complications. Um, and they found out that the baby's heartbeat uh, isn't always staying consistent. And for them, it's a really scary, unknown situation. You know, and just a few months before, they were experiencing this great joy of this new life that God had blessed them with. And then all of a sudden they get hit with this bombshell news. They didn't expect it, right? And they certainly didn't ask for it. But nevertheless, it happened. But for some reason, and you know, the reason I tell you this is because his, his faith was strong, right? I was blown away by his, his faith in the midst of all of this turmoil, right? They were hurting, there were worries, there was fear, there's unknown but he had such an authentic confidence in the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And he had this peace about the situation that I don't know that I would have had. He just knew God was in control. And even in the presence of all of this pain that they're going through, he and his wife get up and lead their church in worship and in praising God for who he is. And they're not even faking it, they're real. Right, that type of steadiness through uncertainty is only going to happen when, when someone has been ready in advance. Right, this couple didn't expect this, but I assume day after day they were connecting with God. Day after day they were putting on their armor every day and getting ready for who knows what might come their way. And God continues to strengthen them as he wants to strengthen us when many other people would just crumble under the weight of that. Spiritual readiness produces spiritual steadiness, right? Do you want that kind of steadiness in your life, that steadiness in your faith, right? We never know when that next battle is gonna come or where it's gonna come from, but we can choose to be prepared spiritually. We can choose to live our life every day putting on this armor of God and gaining his strength, gaining his confidence and peace to fight whatever battle is headed our way. Let's take a second and just pray. God, thank you uh, for loving us. God, even in our weakness, you love us and you want to use us. God, thank you for your power and your strength that we have access to through, through your son Jesus, his sacrifice, and also through the Holy Spirit. God, you know the battles that we face. Some right now are facing battles right now. God, would you strengthen them? And although you never promised to stop the battle or pull us out of the battle, you promised to walk with us through every battle of life because you are so faithful. God, would you help us to trust you? Would you help us to prepare ourselves 
so that when those times come that we can be steady, so that we can hold strong, so that we can hold the position in which you have placed us. God, would you help us? Would you guide us as we, as we navigate life and as we navigate this next week, as we try to live for you and put on your armor? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Faithbrook Church Messages Podcast. If you're newer here at Faithbrook, we'd love the opportunity to connect with you and hear your story. To connect beyond listening today, we'd love for you to join us in person, or if you would please go to faithbrook.church forward slash connect, fill out that form, and one of our staff will reach out to you soon. God bless and have a great day.